my fucking shit fuck. We are in the 1970s of Vince McMahon Sr. You know what that means. Yeah. He dies of cancer and no one cares, including his son, who goes and fucks his grave every Sunday. You're covered in my cum dad. I'm the dad now. That's what Vince says. <laughs> I've heard of a gravestone, but this is a glaze stone. Nothing on the gravestone. Nothing. A little bit of icing sugar on your face, Dad. Excuse me, Mr. McMahon. Why is your dad's grave so shiny? I clean it with my cum. Part. Excuse me. I said I clean it with my cum. I love my dad, and I want him to be covered in my power. <laughs> That, of course, is a real thing that Vince McMahon Jr. does. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to Vince McMahon Sr. Part 4, the fifth week in our year-long saga on Vince McMahon. I am Dylan God, and that is... John Motherfucking Hastings. Yeah, only fucks moms. Only fucks moms. I like stretch marks. I like a laissez-faire attitude towards sex in that it's like, listen, I got ten minutes. Put it in. We'll see what happens. That's what I go for. Exactly. Also, John obeys all of the things that everyone was really into in 2005. MILFs. MILFs? John is the MILF hunter. I am the MILF hunter. <laughs> Wide-legged trousers. A fuzzy fedora. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fuzzy fedora. I, yeah. I really enjoy a open-top Humvee vehicle of some description. And... Uh, yeah. I'm a homophobe. Let's not forget. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of comedy was when it was old, late, not, I shouldn't say old ladies, middle-aged women saying they were cougars. Those were my favorite open micers. And then I sucked his dinger. (laughs) That was a very specific Toronto form of open mic comedy. By the way, let me clarify my stance on homophobia. Not for it, but before 2005 in Canada... It was religion. And now in Canada, where I was living at the time, it is there's a great schism between gay people being totally acceptable and just a part of the tapestry that is human beings and weird people that wear jeans. And that schism is literally everywhere. And if you're like, oh, even in big cities? Oh, yeah, big time, bud. Yeah, uh... The first time I was back, when I was back in Canada, it was jarring because, like, you can, you'll do a show and you'll get in trouble because you assume someone's gender, and then you drive thirty minutes north, and you, if you say the 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 word pink, people are gonna call, be like, "What are you, gay?" I don't love the story. I was in, I think it was Merlin, Ontario, walking out of a community center, and an old woman walked up and went, "Where'd you get those jeans?" And I said. Toronto would take them back there. Clearly implied. <laughs> they, were, they were some affront to her her sexuality. Also, a guy named Travis, who was a open mic comedian uh, for years, couldn't believe that I went to theater school and was straight. Like, he literally did not believe it. And then I, I, th- I then, a- and then I asked him, I was like, oh, are you just like confused? Do you like, is that what you think? Is that how you think someone is gay? Is where they went to university? And he was like, no, but like that, like, I know that though. And I was like, you're a fucking loser. I don't understand why people don't just double down. If you said that to me, I would have been like, yeah. I actually would appreciate if he did double down more. Like, that's the best. Like, the worst crime is hiding the crime. Like, I think, no, it's just like. Yeah, it's true. Like, but if you're just like, yeah, man, that's what my dad told me. Every time I wanted to go to the theater and just fucking get a fucking performance on he would just be like no son of mine loves come and then he would just show me his ball sack while he was driving as yeah, donald trump baby where he didn't try and hide anything he was like uh mr trump did you have an extra matter affair i did oh shit okay then what are you gonna do about it huh Anyway, I got this big coat on because I got tits and I'm 80. You make a great point is that Donald Trump has has taken that to the point that I guarantee if you point blank were like, are you like, do, are you sexually attracted to your daughter? He would say, who is it? Of course I am. <laughs> yeah. Here's two things anyway, you need to know about the 45th president of the United States. He wants to fuck his daughter. He likes none of his other kids. <laughs> 
Yeah, if he doesn't want to fuck his kid, what use does he have yeah. for it? I have no use for the boys. That shows weakness. I didn't go to <laughs> I didn't go to theater school. Oh, the comedian I was talking about was Donald Trump. I did open mic comedy with Donald Trump in the middle 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, if Donald Trump was asked to talk about his daughter, he would just talk about her from the age of 16 onwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't notice her before didn't, that. Didn't know she was a person. Not a person. Ooh, you grew two reasons to pay attention. Oh no! 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 Yeah! 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 Two reasons. That means you're talking about her yabos. Donald Lawler. Well, no, but Jerry Lawler would be at 16. Would have just woken her up by throwing a a bucket of cold water in her face. Aha! Get out now! You're ruined. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna throw you in the people garbage. <laughs> what the fuck is the people? <laughs> I don't know, but it's terrifying. <laughs> no one suspects me. I hide in plain sight around a bunch of Coca-Cola memorabilia. <laughs> I drew a picture. It's called me burying you alive. <laughs> I came up with that match when I found when Mark Calloway found out what I did with teens. <laughs> Oh, he's a fool. You don't record it. You draw it so you can burn the photos. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Oh, oh, yeah. You know who was around? Jerry Lawler was around during that time. Uh, the time of Vince McMahon Sr. Pretty much having a monopoly on New York wrestling. Absolutely. Vince McMahon series. The 70s is truly, this is the time where the foundation for his son is laid. And then uh, Vince, of course, yes. shits on that foundation and uses that shit as a bonding agent to build his empire. Vince McMahon Jr. is very much now working for his dad, Vince McMahon Sr., uh, after meeting his dad at the age of 12 and being told, no, you can't be a wrestler even though that's your dream, but you've never met me before, so now you work in an office, you literal piece of shit, I hate you, was the exact quote of his father to his son upon meeting him. The 70s, yeah. high watermark for old Vinnie Mac Sr. At the beginning of it, he rejoins the NWA. N-W-A. Uh, somewhat devaluing his title, which at that moment is on Pedro Morales, which, let's be honest, I'm going to view as being racially motivated that Vince McMahon Sr. realized, oh, Puerto Rican man can't sustain my uh, my weird belt for fake championships, so I better rejoin the NWA and get a bunch of white people from the South to come beat up this Puerto Rican man. Yeah, baby. Well, they don't beat him up, actually. They lose to him. He's the tag team champion. They quickly pivot, of course, and have Stan the Man Stasiak, the man who would father the world's toughest chiropractor, Sean Stasiak, which is so funny because I read a bunch of stuff on being a chiropractor, and it was just originally started as a scam. Still is a scam. And of course, Sean, of course, Sean Stasiak is a, oh, that's so good. And he, if you look on Sean Stasiak's Twitter, he's still trying to- match with The Rock. It's fantastic. (laughs) And win, though. Of course. He doesn't want to lose. He's like- the Rock just doesn't have what it takes, man. Yeah, the ma- you gotta pick meat. <laughs> How straight is The Rock's spine? Not that straight. <laughs> uh, bear in mind, it takes longer to be a yoga instructor than it does to be a chiropractor. Oh yeah, you gotta suck your own dick or eat yourself out. That takes a while. Yeah. Oh my god, that's the it's the weirdest part of any yoga instruction class. Also, uh, just for all of you keeping track at home, Dylan Gott's favorite movie is that documentary about Bikram yoga, and he is on Bikram's side. My favorite documentary about yoga is uh, the part in Metalocalypse where they they. <laughs> their tour manager tells them they have to learn yoga so they're like oh okay and then they just try and suck their own dick in the backyard <laughs> and what and the guy that gets the murder phase gets the closest and the lead singer just puts his all his body weight in the guy's neck and i hear ow ah! <laughs> uh, that's why i'll be like is this the suck your own dick class and they'll be like what they'll be like sorry i mean yoga wink i know why you do this mm. I once was making love on a yoga instructor, and from uh, being uh, from sitting on my face, she was able to bend backwards and suck my dick. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my entire goddamn life. Did it remove you from the sexual act, though? Because you were just so impressed by the athleticism? Because I've had that happen it before. Absolutely yeah, did. where I was like, I'm getting kind of soft here because this is more like making me feel bad. Yeah. I feel like you're just better at basketball than me, and I'm really losing now. <laughs> Oh, sure, because as you guys know, 
Dylan and I are both raw dog rascals, and Dylan is the emperor of oral. That's the, it's weirdly on his driver's license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I made them put that, <laughs> and they didn't want to. Occupation. Uh, I am the last emperor of oral. Can you prove? <laughs> also, some guy uh, on Twitter said he listened to Graham K's album, and it's great. And we are not stylish. And let's say this. I think his name was Dave. He is the true cerebral assassin, yeah, or Dave. he has turned the trolling Dave, around. Wow, Dave. way to Good turn the you. trolling around. Uh, that said, anyone else who wants to pop over and also leave any comments for the podcast, not on our iTunes page, but if you want to pop over to Graham K's uh, iTunes page and make any sort of comments about the about this show, professional wrestling in general, Jerry Lawler, just do it on Graham K's uh, iTunes page for his album. It, I just want that to happen. Because I got news for you guys. He's genuinely frustrated by you guys saying things about fat loads. And it makes my day every fucking time. Help a big-headed man get through life. Yeah. Just help me bother a dear, dear friend of mine. <laughs> so they're using all these talent. The Vince McMahon Sr. is NWA talent such as Terry Funk, Paul Jones, Black... Gordman. That guy's my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite. Black? What's your gimmick? I'm dark. I'm black. Yeah, I'm black guy. Well, it took nine seconds. Uh, All right. Great Goliath. Did you actually look up if Black Gordman was a black guy or a white guy? I did not look it up. I haven't yet, actually. Can you look it up? I'm praying to God it's a white guy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start just... I did this once before, but I'm going to start just... Uh, reading off the exact research because there is we do an hour-long show but but or an hour and like over an hour but there is a, there is some like minutia and stuff we don't get to and we know baby we know wrestling fans love minutia yeah, so, so i will be reading uh just christopher hobson's research which will essentially act as an audiobook of a year 52 hour audiobook on vince mcmahon we already have 26 pages in just calculating including this episode <laughs> so we're gonna i'll do that yeah exactly isn't that insane we're all gonna um, die so i'll do that and if you listen to it all in a row it'll be a wonderful wonderful audiobook black gordman not a black man of course he sort of, when he, uh, I don't know the actor's name, but he looks like an Italian guy. This weird. Oh, then there was Black Gordman Jr. He's <laughs> in much better shape than his father. That's good. <laughs> much better shape. He has a mask for some reason. It's like his dad was like, much, much more handsome than you. <laughs> Put a mask yeah, on. Yeah, I don't need people to know that it could be me. They might think it's me. He also and made that's his, my ugly fucking son. He also made his son, by the way, wear a mask uh, to school. I want people to think it could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want them to think I can read. Yeah. People need to know that I know I can. I can do well in the sandbox. I don't just treat it like a bathroom. Nineteen seventy-one. Vince crowns the inaugural WWWF tag team champions Luke Graham and Tarzan Tyler. The old titles had been retired four years uh, earlier, and Vince Junior or Vince Senior, probably me, uh, was actually a huge proponent of tag team wrestling. Had it on every card. Had two types of titles. He would have the U.S. tag team titles as well. But you, of course, didn't see the process as much. They would just say, like, ooh, Bobo Brazil defended those against a Martian and the Moon God on Rio de Janeiro. That's our, That's where we do all our wrestling. Like, bear in mind, in some of the territories, promoters literally had desk drawers filled with titles and was like, oh, we need to pop that town. You're the oil workers memorial champion of yeah. the world. Go there, lose yeah, the exactly. belt to Bruiser Brody, who will then steal the belt. Yeah, exactly. This is the weird thing, though. Pedro Morales did draw very well. He had to, uh, regularly drawing 22,000 uh, people to Madison Square Garden. Uh, he takes on Gorilla Monsoon, Stantasiax, Toro Tanaka, Pampero Fropo, and the spoiler... The spoiler is one of the funniest names. Don Jardine, someone that was legitimately, but he was legitimately a good draw. But his just gimmick just seems like the spoilers in the ring. Supposedly, oh, he just poured uh, a bunch of salt in that guy's Pepsi. What a fucking dick! The spoiler essentially is the guy that innovated uh, the Undertaker's move set because apparently they moved very similarly, and because Bruce Pritchard is just a walking carny piece of garbage, it was just like. 
hey, Undertaker, learn these guys, this guy's moves and do them. So, like, things like the fucking old school, all of those sort of big, the big man high-flying stuff the Undertaker would do, all of that was uh, Don Jardine. Interesting. Yeah, and did uh, the spoiler also get on the mic and be like, this is my yard? Yes, he did. He would say, this is my yard. He would insist on you giving him Jack Daniels for no reason. Uh, he invented this thing <laughs> in a workplace where he's like, oh, we're going to have a kangaroo court if you don't pay for vehicle transportation. And, of course, racially persecuted Teddy Long because that's what The Undertaker went on to do. Because, and I'm quoting here, uh, I do not like them. Signed, Mark Callis of Texas. Here's the thing about a yard. You got no yard. I have two yards now because your yard's my yard. I love yards. Here's I get to play in it. Here's the about The Undertaker. I guarantee I could beat the living fuck out of him. I'd use a weapon, but... Now, yeah. No, anytime. I Here's the thing. Undertaker is... Anytime. He is the kind of asshole that would be like, yeah, hit me with a car. I'd be fine. I'd be like, okay, great. Hit him with a car and he'd be like, let's do this. As literally his guts is, are, are hanging out. He... Here's the thing. I love America. <laughs> I love Americans. There's a type of American that are literally just, they are blinded by the idea that they're so tough and they're never that tough. Taz has the similar thing. And I've met Taz. And Taz has that thing of like, bro, you know, I, I'm just from fucking, I could be anyone. Taz, you're four foot 11. I will use weapons. I will stab you. You're not, you're a fucking broadcaster. John Hastings, threatening to stab. Yeah. Hey, Taz, you and me, weapons fight. You name the location, I name the guns. I get them all, you get none. <laughs> you get uh, no weapons. No weapons. YOLO. That's why he gets to name the location. He, if he's smart, would install a sniper across the way, but he doesn't know any of them because he's a puss bitch. <laughs> Did you know that there was a ban on women's wrestling until July 1st, 1972 I was in New York City? Go on. <laughs> Fabulous Moolah of beats course. eight women in Baltimore and then later sold all women into sex slavery. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, darling, you got to go have sex with this referee. Yeah. Hello, love. Uh, the reason why, by the way, New York State banned women's wrestling is they saw a photo of Fabulous Moolah and just went, uh, I actually think that those athletes uh, deserve an opportunity to wrestle, but that woman's clearly some sort of sexually motivated criminal. So... Absolutely not is she not allowed in the state to ply her trades. And then she went, oh, but darling, I'm just trying to smuggle a bunch of money in my asshole I stole from these sad, sad women. <laughs> They're like, why are you smuggling money in your asshole? Having money isn't illegal. Oh, darling, you can't trust the banks. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely mattress money time. They do Pedro Morales versus uh, Bruno Sammartino. 22,000 people are in Shea Stadium uh, for that event. This is a really a first for Vince Sr. because it's face versus face. Absolutely. Everyone wanted to see it. Who would win? Bruno, Pedro. It was a draw. YOLO. Of course. Of course it was. Welcome to wrestling. Who's going to win between this decisive match between these two champions? No one. Fuck you. Uh, well, that's what no one thought of that. Everyone was like, you don't do a face before a face uh, against a face because someone will be pissed off and someone gets their shit fucked with because like and that just just have it be a draw. I don't know. You make a point or who cares? Make someone win. Nah, yeah, me. I win. Yeah. The winner is John. This guy. He showed up. Bruno, uh, this is also the beginning of Bruno's comeback into the WWF, right? Um, no, he's still he's still doing his little walkabout thing because this is they they're <laughs> they're in deep trouble, not deep trouble, but Vern Gagne appears at MSG, baby, second last on the card, only under Morales uh, defending his title against Ray Stevens. Emil Mascaris debuted. Madison Square Garden gate was almost 23,000. This is notable because this is the first time the New York State Athletic Commission had allowed someone to compete in a mask because the New York State Athletic Commission is really fucking with wrestling, and I do appreciate that. Oh, that's so Where they tried to book Will Morales, he's like, oh, well, Mil Mascaris can't. He's in a mask. That completely obstructs his viewpoint. This is real, right? And they had to be like, oh, yes, it's real. Yeah, okay, it's real. Then they, he can't come. You can't make all this money. Just tell me it's fake, and uh, yeah. then we won't have any of this. No, but it's real. Okay, fine. Fifty thousand dollars, and you can't, you can't draw. I guarantee Vince McMahon Senior just was refusing to pay a bribe to one guy. 
That's what this sounds like. It sounds like one guy was like, "Yeah, I want five grand to let you do this, or I'm going to make this a rule." And Vince McMahon Senior was like, "Absolutely not. That's my steak and brill cream budget for the day. I am not giving you that money." <laughs> uh, and the state of the what's brill cream? It's like weird hair cream. I thought so. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was for back hair. I don't know why. I was like, you know, smooth <laughs> oh, out that back hair. Uh, most people's back hair is curly. Mine's straight. We're all, we're all Irish here. This is an ad from 1971. You're all Irish here. Your back hair gets matted into your into your shirt, and then the vest, and then the suit jacket, and then the overcoat that you all wear at all times. Brill cream. Hello. My name is Ted. I'm an Irish immigrant just like you. Do you want your back hair to be straight so when you're wearing a wife beater to intimidate your wife and allure the neighbor wives you want it to be straight so it doesn't look like you're just wearing a bunch of weird animals on your back but in fact wearing a cape made out of an asian man's hair we'll try this brill cream back hair straight like your sexuality <laughs> straight like your goddamn son should be yeah straight like your god Straight God. I worship straight God. That's, that's fucking weird. Yeah. 1971, Big Fat John Ferrer debuts mm. in Canada, and he signs an exclusive contract at Madison Square Garden, uh, March 26, 1973. Vince Sr., very smart man, because he will not spend money unless it's on something that he's never fucking seen before, which is Andre the Goddamn Giant, yeah. who becomes wrestling's first crossover star. Uh, essentially, Vince McMahon Sr.'s Hulk Hogan, and also Vince McMahon Jr.'s Hulk Hogan, and probably was the only wrestler that was nice to Vince McMahon Jr. based on the way that Vinny treated Vince or Andre throughout their entire tenure. This is the big turning point also for the WWF in New York because this gives him a pal balance of power back with the NWA. He controls Andre, and for the rest of Vince Sr.'s run, and for a good part of Vince Jr.'s run, you cannot fuck with this guy. He has someone that, oh, you want Andre to come in and do a battle royal and make you 50 grand in a night? You play nice to the Bill, Cre uh, the Bro the Bill Cream boys up in fucking Manhattan. Do not and, fuck with yeah. me. Yeah, and this is also important because 72, 73 is when cable really starts to come in. And Vince Sr., being very smart, sees I have an attraction now, that being this big alcoholic from France. Yeah, this giant fucking mood disorder that it will be disrespectful to all people and shit on beds as opposed to in <laughs> bathtubs. Time to send him to North Carolina where he can drown Red Bastion a bunch of times. But this is an interesting thing because this is where paid TV starts to take off. You're starting to get closed circuit television and actual paid TV, like a second tier, an event you would have to pay for. He has obviously an attraction such as Andre the Giant. And this is oddly where boxing stops. Boxing stops being as successful and wrestling starts being very successful because they understand and then furthermore can build to something as, such as, hey, you've seen this guy win nine matches in a row on television. Now see them fight each other for this extra chunk of money. Oh, okay, I'll pay to see that. Versus the risk you would take just by having a boxer fight nine times in, in a year is insane he's probably gonna look like shit or lose one of those fights absolutely this and then is, this at is the also, end of that year you know this is also the time where they try and merge the two in 1974 anoki and muhammad ali have their boxer versus wrestler match which is considered both the birth we're of gonna do a separate episode on that i know we are but i just want to say both considered the birth of M uh, mma and one of the most boring things ever <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, there was actually Gene... Oh, my God. Gene LaBelle choked out a karateka in, like, the 60s. And that was the first MMA fight. But it was really... Like all early MMA fights, it was weird because there was, like, weird specific rules allowed. And one of the rules was they had... The boxer had to wear a gi. Like, had to wear a top half of a gi. And then nothing happened and then gene labelle choked him to the point he shit his pants and it, no one knew what happened they were like why is he sleeping he just hugged him to death if anyone wants to watch something that's truly fucking maddening watch the first ufc event it's fucking insane yeah they were supposed to they originally it wasn't supposed to be unlimited rounds he just uh they uh just everyone just got knocked out real quick yeah also like they originally were going to do it in a uh, on a mat surrounded by a tank filled with alligators and sharks. Yeah, there was going to be a moat. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Fucking 
nuts. Yeah. Oh yeah, so good. Sumo wrestler versus a bar fighter, and the I believe sumo wrestlers get it, got his teeth knocked out so badly that the other guy stepped on them and then almost lost his foot. Welcome to the UFC. No, he kicked him. He kicked him so hard that uh, the teeth got lodged in his foot, and they couldn't get them out until the end of the event. Yes, yeah, so they just taped his foot, and he kept going. Yeah, boy. Gerard Gordo, an old man. Watch UFC one. I think it's. I think some nerd uploaded all of the early UFCs. If you want to see just people oh. actually who are terrified and don't know how to fight, There's huge breakdowns, and you just see the Gracie family just come in and be like, "Ah, this is why our father hit us. Time to prove that <laughs> I deserve his love." <laughs> So another man who probably, I don't even think he hit his kid. Hitting his kid would be too much parenting for Vince. Yeah, yeah, that would, that would also involve that he knew, any, he knew anything about his life. If you hit your child, that implies love, indifference. That's how you mold a winner. Vince Sr. just left a stake outside his room door with a note that said, work today, and it was uncooked, and he had to cook it. I guarantee that Vince Sr., every third time he addressed his son, he said, Victor. <laughs> Steve? Yeah. It's Vince. Whatever. Uh I'm your dad. Your name is now Steve. Bitch. <laughs> I can I can change your name whatever yeah, I bark, want. Bark for me or I Vince, Vince, why is your back hair curly? We're fucking Irish. <laughs> you you've learned nothing. <laughs> why aren't you listening to me when I'm talking in my sleep, boy? You're my son. You sleep in the morning when I'm pissing. You sleep for 30 seconds a day. You've been senior treating his son like a dog he dislikes. Sit. Sit for me, boy. Okay, you went in the toilet. That's good, but I'm still going to rub your nose in it. Yeah. I 100% that uh, Vince Sr. made Vince Jr. and him have a size off. And when Vince Jr.'s dick got bigger than Vince Sr., he just said, you're not allowed to get erect until I die. No, he just gave himself cancer. <laughs> I'm going to go stand near and... Uh, well, that's that. Yeah. You're the dad now, Junior. I'm going to go fuck this microwave until I leave Earth. <laughs> I'm going to stand in front of this microwave and give myself random needles until I die. Yeah. I bid you adieu. Yeah, you know, that's what you need to do, too. Guarantee Vince McMahon has a microwave plugged in at every arena, just waiting for Sean or Triple H to supersede him. And then, time to go the way Daddy did. <laughs> I've been measuring your cock when you're asleep, and it's almost getting to the time I die. <laughs> Stop saying that, Vince. Yeah. It's real weird. <laughs> uh, please welcome everyone to the Titan Sports Stockbroker meeting. Ah, hello. I just wanted you all to know that my penis is almost not as long as my son's or my son-in-law's, so I've got two years left. <laughs> <laughs> I think that here, here is my impression of uh, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley's family <laughs> meeting, trying to talk with Vince McMahon at like a family barbecue. Uh, yeah, I've been remodeling the basement. Uh, you know, Jenny uh, likes to do yoga, so we're doing that. Uh, she's even got me on the yoga. Yesterday I told Eva Marie if she doesn't grow dicks on her tits, then I have no place for her in the company. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to follow you, and this is, might be the weirdest thing yet. Ah, Paul's dad, let me introduce you to my best friend, Pat. He's a shirt lifter, but he also made me millions, so I ignore his sin. <laughs> okay, I just I just want to be left alone. Ah, and this is Bruce. I, every time I talk, it's a mistake. This is Bruce Pritchard. He's fortified, uh, faked all of his documents, and his family doesn't even fucking exist. But guess what? <laughs> He's good at lying, so I keep him around, even though all he does is just show a gun to the creative types. <laughs> Did you know the WWF had a lot of managers in the 70s? They had the Grand Wizard, which I didn't realize until rereading this is sort of racist oh yeah big kkk terminology yeah and also was originally the great wizard of ohio which makes it a lot fucking worst yeah the grand wizard of ohio which is so funny because it's so like racist what do you why is ohio i don't when i think of ohio i don't think of a definable person i just kind of think of like oh that's canada but the summers are probably a bit start a bit what earlier. What I also find interesting about the Grand Wizard always paired with wrestlers that could talk. He's one of those weird wrestlers, wrestling managers that didn't talk for his clients. 
in the same way that Bill Alfonso didn't talk for his clients. He just kind of stood next to them. Yeah, I mean, a manager does make you seem like you're more important, but also I get it. And also that was a managers talking for the clients really the way we think of a manager is kind of just Bobby Heenan where it's yeah. like, yeah, you get some big fucking loser and then no. Bobby Heenan talks for them and then Bobby Heenan bumps around because they also can't wrestle. They're just steroids. They're just a nice man on steroids. Jimmy Hart a little bit uh, did a lot of talking for his clients. Yeah, true. Um, Paul Jones did a lot of talking for his clients. Jim Cornette. No, the idea of the manager talking for the clients is very much a poor part of it. The reason why I love the manager, and you can look at it with Paul Heyman, is it adds a different atmosphere to the match. It's saying, like, this guy has someone that controls him. This is a guy that is part of the package. It adds another element to it. One of the best managers ever was when Ric Flair was paired with Mr. Perfect, and Mr. Perfect was essentially his manager, was one of the best things ever, because essentially it was the diesel HBK dynamic, but with a, a couple of scoundrels. It was just, it was fucking b- b- best. It's yeah. the best presentation of Ric Flair as the dirty rascal, handsome country club piece of shit guy ever is having a dude in a black suit with spangly Mr. Perfect written on the back of it, running around kicking people, which is why WrestleMania 8 is, I'm going to say, one of the best matches for the WWF title that doesn't get the respect it deserves for how fucking awesome the cheating between Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair is with Earl Hebner finally like putting a stop to it in the ways that he would during the Attitude Era with Triple H and stuff like that. Continue dealing with the tale of the 70s WWF. So this is uh, the way Pedro Morales wins the t- or loses the title is kind of how Vince Jr. always did it, which is, it's going to sound weird, but it's like every time the babyface lost the world title, it's a guy he had already beaten a lot and then everyone was very surprised. It's an interesting way of doing it, and it's also something that his dad, his son has carried forward a lot. It just doesn't work as well. Essentially, Bruno Sammartino is yeah. John Cena in the way that he softens, he goes away, he comes back, he's big, and then it softens again. That's essentially John Cena. Everyone loves when John Cena comes back for the first week, and then they're like, oh yeah, fuck that guy. Exactly, and Pedro is sort of weirdly Roman Reigns, where it's like, okay, here's the new guy, but also he's good, but just like, how do you follow a guy who who did so well that WWF felt confident leaving the NWA? Yeah, I would. I, I don't think that that's the right analogy to draw. I think that someone like Bob Backlund is closer to Roman Reigns, but I see what you're saying. I guess Backlund. I don't know. I really like Roman Reigns, but everyone obviously hates him, and he got leukemia, and people still boo him, which is pretty nice. Welcome to wrestling. I, I like. I, here's the sad thing about wrestling. I knew it. I, when they got leukemia, I was like, I don't think you can boo this guy anymore. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you're allowed to be like, the booking. No, this is a man now. Like, this is a real man who's pretending to be a security guard that Superman punches people, yes, but he's a he's a nice security guard. I would like it if uh, Roman Reigns, if someone was doing something mildly illegal in the arena, did escort them out Yeah, and then wait. Roman Reigns is in the middle of the main event, but oh, someone's smoking in the arena. He's going to stand with them until the cops come. Sir, vaping is in a... <laughs> So he loses the title, Pedro does. Uh, they do the you pin each other at the same time gimmick so that his fans won't riot in the ring. And then later in the press, it's clarified that Stan Stasiak did pin Pedro Morales and win the title. So that's how worried they were about riots, which is crazy because everyone, old school guys, talk about riots like they were great. But I guarantee the Athletic Commission and the uh, arena didn't like riots because that's where all your shit gets broken. Yeah. We much prefer the guys who would show up and get a bunch of t-shirts and beer and know it's fake because the guys who didn't know it was fake would bring fucking guns. Welcome to wrestling. I hate myself. Also, one of the reasons why Pedro supposedly had the title taken off of him was because Vince McMahon was senior, his senior was concerned about the amount of stabbings that were happening at the arena and blamed it on the Puerto Rican fans. Welcome to wrestling. Wrestling is hell. John's favorite fact. After John's favorite fact, we're going to take a short break and be right back with Bruno San Martino's second run as WWWF. It's like when Daniel Bryan came back champion. and was vegan. <laughs> I like to stretch. I like to 
say hello to my wife. Hey, Dylan, have you ever thought about giving us money because we fucking do a good fucking job for these fucking ungrateful fans? They're all pieces of shit. Every fucking week, we take time to research this show, then forget most of it and talk about who would like to come on. Yeah. And by, I think that deserves money. And by we, we mean a guy we've met a few times, and he needs money because I keep promising to pay him, but then I say, no, haven't earned it. Why? <laughs> yeah. I spend the money on candy and hummus. Separately. I, I don't I don't dip the candy in hummus. That would be a taste Old Snickers sensation. bar hummus Hastings over here needs money. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review or rate and subscribe on iTunes or do both. And here's another one. Fucking shut the fuck up, buddy. Yeah. Right now are you talking? Are you talking? Are you talking to me? Where are you listening on? Were you doing dishes? Turn fucking turn break all your dishes, you fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> shut your cock washer and use your fucking dick grabbers to give us some fucking money. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Bruno San Martino is the champion. It is 1973. His second reign starts really well. Um, he gets 22,000 people in, and the nine-day reign of Stan the Man Stasiak is done. The nine-day reign. It's transitional champion, baby. It's the WWF style. Crazy stuff. Anyway, Bruno went right back to fighting monsters. He faced Don Leo Jonathan, he Nikita Nikolai Volkov, Killer Kowalski, John Tolos. Um, he teams with Chief J Strongbow against the Valiant Brothers. Um, Jack Pfeffer passes away September 13th, 1974. We didn't talk about this in Vince Part 3, but Jack Pfeffer did some really good stuff where he would just sort of copy the name. Like, he would... Promote events with Bruno San Martino. Oh, yeah. We've mentioned this throughout this. Yeah. Bruno San Martino, Antonio Rocker. Oh, he's a, yeah. a tremendously fun piece of shit. So fucking good. 1974, Vince is on the board of NWA board of directors, along with Fritz Goddamn Von Eric, Eddie Graham, Mike LaBelle, Frank Tunney, and Don Owen. And WWF itself showcased NWA champions. This is also what the Eddie Graham Vince McMahon Senior Alliance truly solidifies. Uh, they were a V good friends. They love each other. They loved each other. There's also some uh, competition in town. Go on. Uh, the Martinez brother Pedro and Ron, Eddie Einhorn and Robin Hatch helmed a company called International Wrestling Association, which started out real good because they had Argentina Apollo, Ernie Ladd, Bill Mascaris, Ivan Koloff. They had credible stars, but they tried to grow big too big too soon, and basically WWWF was gifted their television spot uh, about a year and a half later. So they did all this work and did bite into WWWF business for a hot second, but then, of course, just fizzled out and... Isn't it funny that basically they they joined the NWA, the WWWF does, in the early 70s, and by the mid-70s, they're able to, essentially with the help of the NWA, crush another wrestling organization, which is, who knows how it would have gone if had they not been in the NWA, because this IWA show could have just then started booking NWA talent and really filled out the card. Absolutely, but they didn't let that happen because Vince Sr. somehow has a horseshoe up his ass and is able, much like his son, to have setbacks when it comes to competition but somehow rally in the end. If you told me um, this time last year that the Royal, the Men's Royal Rumble would have been the funnest thing in the entire world and I was going to be bored to death at this point by AEW Dynamite, I would have called you a goddamn fucking fool. Really? You were bored to death? I liked it. I just... I mean, I loved the the Royal Rumble or uh, Dynamite. I was bored by the Royal Rumble and uh, like Dynamite. Oh wow, I love the Royal Rumble. Everything I wanted from it. I don't know, man. Where it's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but uh, just I don't. It's just they took Drew McIntyre when everyone likes the other guys. I don't know who. Good for who them. Doesn't though. like Drew McIntyre. They're doing what they who can. The fuck doesn't like him. I love him. Oh, uh, you're talking to him, baby. He's from Air. He's a good man. <laughs> I don't know. You mean Scottish Triple H? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Triple H just was like, you're the champ because you're me. How about the cerebral game, Drew McIntyre? How about the Scottish guy who's from Connecticut is me? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Current wrestling is very fun, too. 24 
and a half thousand motherfucking people show up to watch Waldo Von Erich lose to Bruno San Martino. Waldo's, of course, the actual brother of Fritz Von Erich. Uh, their main argument was Fritz's belief in fatherhood is attack your child like an enemy, while Waldo thought that wasn't the best idea. Yeah, where Waldo had the belief on child on child rearing that you should hide in a crowd, and if the child can find you, good, and then you do it again over and over again. Yeah, Waldo uh, and Fritz, of course, uh, their other main falling out was uh, uh, Waldo one time commented that uh, Fritz's wife looked good in an indigo dress, and Fritz made the claim that that's not a color, and they never spoke again. <laughs> Ooh, Fritz's wife, who he never talked to. So that's pretty crazy. His top drawing event is in 1975, May 14th. Against where's Waldo and God damn it, he uh he's still it's been over a decade it's been twelve years now since this guy's been on top and he's still selling out the fucking Madison Square Garden what a fucking g bro it's absolutely fucking incredible I mean this was once a month do you know what I mean so it's easier because obviously it's like oh I saw Bruno San Martino this month and then uh, I'll fill the rest of the thirty days in and then do something else and then show up Bruno San Martino again. So it's not like he's even doing what John Cena did, which was be on top while people hated him for a decade. That's really getting whitewashed, too, is that how people just didn't fucking care about John yeah, Cena. Yeah, but, that's that, but that's also been white. But that's also been whitewashed out of Bruno's career. Bruno was not. It was, it was a lot more up and down, according to people that were around. It was also a big problem of he couldn't work anywhere else and they had to keep feeding him. Mon- he could only have the Bruno match, which is weirdly... A big Vince McMahon problem, like thing that they love doing, um, is they love just adding an additional guy. Uh, can't fucking do anything but slay a monster, and that's all they want. That's all they fucking want, baby. Yeah, I mean, it's worked in movies before, and also he more is like, he's more. You see a picture of a guy in a magazine, or you see the guy on TV, and you think, well, that guy's fucking intimidating. That's what Vince wants. He doesn't want you to be like, watch. You know, he doesn't. It, Two-second sale. That's what these guys are good at, and I think there is something to that, where it's like you see Daniel Bryan on a talk show, and it's like, oh, Conan O'Brien is way bigger than this dude. Yeah. Why would I watch this guy wrestle when Conan O'Brien's way bigger than this dude? Or even if, you know, obviously you could get the villain on TV, and then the villain's the big up, then you're giving the villain TV time when he's got to do, he's got to fucking play a character on late night TV, and it's all a weird thing. Anyway, 1975, Sam Mushnick steps down. As head of the NWA and is replaced by Fritz Von Erich. His first action as head of the NWA, Fritz Von Erich, was was to make his sons fuck in front of the oh, board. Oh, no, 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 no. Watch it and like it. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Doris. Those poor Make boys. everyone some mincemeat pie while I watch Kevin suck Carrie's dick. <laughs> if you worked out a bit more, Kevin, you wouldn't have to suck Carrie's dick. <laughs> <laughs> poor boys. Those poor boys. They were bad. I just want to swim. No. That's what that was one of their <laughs> they just wanted to swim. <laughs> Kevin just wanted to swim, god damn it. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Oh god, it's so fucking ridiculous. Um, I mean, watch interviews with Kevin Von Eric and you really see that he has not gone to therapy about any of it because it's just going to be like, I think my dad was a good guy. And you just want to be like, dude, spend 50 grand, weep for an entire year and come to grips with what your childhood yeah, was. It, but also, you know, instead I mean, what he just does it's is very he just sad. lives <laughs> in Maui and just is like, I like it here because no one knows me from my previous life. So this is interesting because after the Ali Inoki match, what happens is... Um, the Japanese wrestling uh, wrestlers, sorry, come over a bit for Vince Senior, leading to Tatsumi Fujinami uh, coming into the WWF and them showcasing a bit more of Japanese wrestlers. Um, at that time, of course, they did it very quickly and in McMahon fashion. It was all in the middle of the card, and you would get two job matches and then they would lose to someone else in the WWWF stable who always loses. Uh, so YOLO, that's pretty fun, right? Yeah, 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 of course. They're all losers. Toots Mondet dies yeah. June 11th, 1976. All the- he died in uh, St. Louis, and this must Vince Sr. must see the writing on the wall yeah. here. 
that they that he made a blood pack with Toots Mond, and he only has th- uh, w- uh, he only has five years left before his ghost comes and stabs him in the balls. Yeah, and then Vince Senior was like, "All my friends are dead. Push me to the edge." He's listening to fucking mumble rap a lot. Vince Senior was at this time. Yeah, you'd think he would be into grime, but he actually wasn't. He found Stormzy to be a bit blah blah blah. But by this point, Vince Vince himself had been guiding Capital Wrestling for 29 years, and God damn it, it's time to fucking sell. Yeah. Vi- Antonio Roca dies at 49. He died of being a wrestler. But that's when wrestlers also lived pretty long. Is it? No. Yeah, that no, it is. Yeah, it's like people didn't live as long, but because they just fell yeah, down. People didn't live as long. That's all they but did. Wrestlers did live. Yeah, you make a great point. Um, Ken Patera beat Bruno by countout in 1977, January 17th of, and God damn it, did you know this? It's already been another four fucking years Bruno's had the goddamn it's title. So crazy. <laughs> of course, why? Stan Hansen breaks Bruno's neck, of course, and this is a, a legitimate injury. He fucks up a body slam, so God damn it, we've got to get the fucking title off of him now because... We broke his goddamn neck, so you give it to superstar Billy fucking Graham, goddamn. Yes, this is the best. This is, of course, this is his son is now very much working as a commentator. Loves superstar Billy Graham. Billy Graham tells the Oh, loves him. Built for nine months uh, and then has the belt taken off of and given to Bob Backlund for two reasons. One, that was the plan Vince McMahon Sr. had laid out. Also, Vince McMahon Sr. had made a bet with Terry, uh, with uh, Eddie Graham in Florida, that he could get Bob Backlund over as the champion, and because Vince McMahon Sr. is a human piece of shit, stuck to that and made sure not to respect Billy Graham. Cool. That, but this is a this is an eight month reign for Billy Graham because it does go so well. So they keep on kind. I mean, Billy Graham does say, "Okay, we're giving you the title for eight months" because he had done such good business when he was uh, wrestling Bruno before. He wins with his feet on the ropes, which all things considering is a super strong win for a heel in Vince's territory and loses to Bob Backlund. And this is really the culmination of Vince Jr.'s vision versus Vince Sr.'s vision where it's like Vince Sr. wants the all-American fucking guy who looks like Ron Howard from Happy Days. (laughs) I know that sounds silly, but it's like they did... Look, nine years ahead, the NWA is literally pushing Magnum TA and almost naming him Magnum PI. Like, they actually were like, this guy looks like Tom Selleck. Maybe someone will think Tom Selleck wrestles now. That's a real thing. It's the best name ever. (laughs) Magnum tight ass. Hey, Magnum tits and ass, baby. Oh, I got Terry Allen in the ring. Tell me you wouldn't want to stick your fucking cock in there. Who isn't fucking wet? Or hard. No. Next week on NWA Power Hour, me jacking off. Ah, it's me, Jerry Lawler. They're, I'm going to piss on the front row because that's where the Rock and Roll Express keeps their children. <laughs> so a year previous, of course, uh, Billy Graham had done great business with Bruno, which is a big reason why he gets the title. 1977. Phil Zacco and Gorilla Monsoon sold 50 shares each to Arnold Skoland of Capital Wrestling, and they've been on the board of directors since 1972, um, then giving Arnold Skoland a 10% stake because of his hard work. That's fun. Yeah, it's also, like, there's some strategy to this, and I can't figure out what it is of why you put Arnold Skoland as a minority owner. Like, it's like, do I need someone... Who's going to smoke backstage and play cards? I honestly think part of it is also that he was Andre's guy before Tim White, and it was a way of placating Andre. Like, there's some, it's wrestling, so it's not yeah. just a straight and clear business decision. There's something weird. It's like he invested in a mink farm that was actually just where we kept corn that we fed to a, a dog that shit on people that we didn't like, and he needed more money for the corn. Like, There's something fucking weird. But also, could it be a way to placate Andre where it's like he has now an investment in the company without having an investment in the company, weirdly? Yeah, that's a great point. Or maybe he's a shadow investor for Vince McMahon Jr. Who the fuck knows? I fucking, I hate wrestling. February 20th, 1978, Bob Backlund pins superstar Billy Graham to be the WWWF champion. Superstar's longest run ever for a heel champion in New York, which was nine months and 21 days. He had the world title, 
Which must have been crazy, because, like, by wrestling fans in the know, they must have been like, okay, uh, fucking Ivan Koloff had it for, like, a month. Stan Stasiak had it for nine days. Every time they went to the arena, they must have thought, this guy's definitely losing, and he just wouldn't. Uh, it's also why th- that record was not beaten until Triple H actually had to fuck the boss's daughter to keep the belt. That's how little that they... <laughs> That's yeah. true. The other, the only other heel champion who reigned for this long or longer was Triple H. Everyone else is like, get it the fuck off of him. Yeah, and unless you look at the two-title era, which, I mean, still I think the SmackDown title... World Championship for a very, very, very long time basically functioned as the Intercontinental title. Yeah, and the Intercontinental title is essentially now below R-Truth's weird fucking um, 24-hour championship, which is just the hardcore belt. It's fucking crazy. Here's the thing. 1978, Bob Backlund. I think it's a weird thing where it's like they're always excited to see a new champion because he did sell out MSG against Billy Graham, Ernie Ladd, Ivan Koloff, Swede Hansen. Sika, Stan Hansen, George Steele, Don Morocco, and Adrian Adonis. And he had, uh, he was doing really good. And then he started not doing, uh, really good. But in April 1979, they drop one of the W's and just become the WWF. For press reasons, which means has read half of a US Today, USA Today article on advertising and has now decided that's his fucking yeah. path to the future. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's doing good, though, and, you know, the more matches against uh, Roddy Piper, Dick Murdoch, Ted DiBiase, Tito Santana, Kerry Von Erich. He dropped the title in Japan in 1979 to Antonio Inoki, but then regained it, and they have never recognized this title change. No, never. Antonio Inoki, of course, noted Vince McMahon-style promoter in Japan who is also a giant piece of garbage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So he had ties to the Yakuza, who for some reason were probably gambling on a fixed sport. Welcome to wrestling. I want to die. They made five million in seventy nine eighty and spent four million. So they were doing well, just a lot of expenses. This is the Bruno San Martino uh, Larry Zabisco cage match, which now Bruno is also being able to headline cards the odd time and you have the heavyweight title which is a weirdly how triple h kind of positioned himself 30 years later where it's like oh i'm i get the big entrance i get the main event but yeah the you know cm punk has the yeah title. yeah yeah. oh yeah that guy might have the championship but i'm in control so i'll make him look like a piece of shit of course this was also the theory is also that the money that they Looked at the numbers and Backlund wasn't drawing, uh, but Vince Sr. would not go back on his word for how long he would have the title because it was supposedly part of the plan, which apparently caused a lot of trouble between him and his son. I don't know how much to believe of this because, again, it's wrestling. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, like like I said, superstar Billy Graham was told by Vince Sr. to the day when he would lose the title. So, I mean, that's how far in advance they're thinking here. Obviously, you can fucking change course <laughs> more than five years in advance no. which is how long he ends up having the title but of, like this is this is the thing back then where it's like Vince Senior probably got off on the fact that he's a genius and he knew how long every, and how the audience would react to everything so he didn't want to give that up in his obviously his final days um, as being a wrestling promoter um, heavyweight title match was held up uh, in a match between Backlund and Valentine in October of 81. Now, if you're noticing this, Bruno's title reign is very uneventful until literally 1970, the first one. 63 till 70, nothing happens. He loses one countout match once, and you can see the tricks they're using for Bob Backlund, such as holding up the title two years into his reign. I know that sounds you know, like two years into his reign is still a, lo- a very long time. But for in WWF time, for this amount of, you know, for for heavyweight title to have anything, but he wins, everyone's happy constantly is kind of a cause for concern. Um, in At the age of 68, June 5th, 1982, Vince Sr. and his partners, Grill Monsoon, Arnold Skoland, and Phil Zacco accepted a proposal from Titan Sports to buy cap uh, to buy Capital Wrestling. Of course, that's Vince's company on the grounds that it remain a subsidiary of Titan. The company was split into a thousand shares. Three hundred eighty-five were sold to Titan at a price of 
600, uh, $644,264 to be paid within one year. The remaining 615 shares cost $1 million, again payable within one year. There was an agreed to 15-day grace period, but had the full amount not been paid after June 20th, 1983, Vince Sr. Gorilla uh, Skoland and Zacco would retain ownership. On top of that, any money that had been paid to them would not have to be returned. Vince Sr. would receive $822,132. Zacco and Monsoon, oh, $71,147. Skoland, $35,574. Obviously, Titan did not default on the loan, and it became Vince McMahon's company officially June 20th, 1983. And that's when he started expanding batch and check this out jerry jarrett claims that vince senior on his deathbed essentially i 100 percent believe this i 100 percent believe this said can you can you protect my yeah, boy my boy if anything happens because 100 percent believe it he think he thinks the nwa is going to have his son killed for leaving the nwa like i mean crazier things have happened and also it just for my money, it totally scans within why Vince went to Jerry Jarrett uh, during the steroid scandal. Is essentially he leaned on the allies of his dad. Yeah, of course you lean on who you, who who was there when you were like when you had nothing. Hundred percent, baby. He uh, Vince McMahon Senior passed away in spring of uh, 1984, May 27th, be exact. He left all his money. This is something that I think is undersold. He's left all his money to his uh, second wife, Juanita. And he later, when he passed on, uh, he was buried. Uh, no, sorry. When Juanita passed on, she was buried right next to him in a plot in Florida. I think that says a lot when you leave your sons no money. Yeah. Well, did he though? I think, okay, let's do five minutes on this. The entire idea... That Vince McMahon Sr. was against his son expanding in, uh, nationally is bullshit. Vince McMahon Sr. Yeah. was 100% behind it. He knew what he was doing. He knew what was happening. And I guarantee he was like, good, fuck him. My entire 30-year tenure as promoter was telling the fucking NWA to eat my butt and then using them and then leaving again. So, yeah, he didn't leave his son any money. He, But he did, you know, sell him his company, gave him the connections with the right people, to allow him to um, get his goal accomplished, so yeah, he. I totally, I totally get that. Like they, they had already, they were already self-made men. Yeah, off the back of their dad for sure. But like, they're rich. It's they're rich kids. You, you don't. There's money. There's things money cannot buy, and what money cannot buy is access. When you're rich, and you're broke, you're still rich. Yeah. Like, that's why every rich person goes to jail, goes to a jail with a fucking tennis court. Yeah, they don't go they to jail know a guy. with poor people. Yeah, exactly. They know a guy. Their dad knows a guy. You have access. You have friends. These are these are things money cannot buy. It's almost better to be poor around rich people than it is rich around poor people. Like, you don't. Because if you're around rich people, someone will get, have to give you a lot of money and they won't think it's a lot of money. They'll just be like, I'll hook you up with this bullshit job for like a hundred grand. That's how rich people work. That's how people work. You you hire your friends. Everything is nepotism. And the, and the and the thought of nepotism where he sells it to his son is, of course, why wouldn't you sell your business to your son? Why why would that's so fucking stupid to be like, oh, I'm, sorry, son. Someone might think this is nepotism. I'm going to sell it to this fucking loser. Of course, he's going to sell it to his fucking son. That's so fucking stupid to me. Yeah, you would think that because no one. I, I was going to do some weird joke, but I don't even know where I was going with it. You're going to have a kid. You're going to have an entire library of comedy, and you're be like, I'm giving it to Manola Zantanos because he deserves Of course it. I would. That man, he's a fucking hero. He did. He, uh, he, I heard a story where he broke into the Halifax condo after he checked out, had sex with a woman on a towel that she was on her period, and then he just put the towel in the middle of the towels. <laughs> 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 he folded it up, and he was like, oh, fuck. This man's also 50 years old. How, wait, how do you break into Just a so condo? Know. Oh, whatever. Um, Dylan. <laughs> the key still works. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Dylan, best thing about Manolo Santanos. <laughs> oh, best thing about Manolo Santanos that is that he showed up to a... No, this is the best thing. He showed up to a gig late with the mayor of Mississauga, <laughs> and he doesn't really know politics, and everyone, since the mayor of Mississauga was there, was told to be very clean. Manolo showed up. 
they try to tell him he didn't listen and then he just did this chick looks like she sucks cock jokes to the mayor of mississauga everyone had a great time and the mayor took a picture with him on her request that's cool. You look like you've... Because the mayor of Mississauga's name is Hazel McCallion. She is 100 years old. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was just like, this old bitch looks like she's sexy couple dicks. And then she was like, ooh, maybe I have. <laughs> and then he fucked a 100-year-old woman, I yeah, assume. I assume that he... The woman he <laughs> fucked in the Halifax condo was the mayor of Mississauga. She took in her private chopper. <laughs> yeah, and she had her period for the first time in 60 yeah, years she got, because she was she so got turned fucked up. so hard it reactivated her body. Yeah. Yeah, 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 she went. She, she, he undid menopause. Yeah. My eggs are hatching, is what she yelled as he nutted. I'm, we're going to prison, ladies and gentlemen. And then he went goop, goop, goop. My favorite thing about Vince McMahon uh, Jr. during this senior. period is the no, I'm gonna say Junior, Senior is that he sold the company to his son, um, but he made his son earn it. God damn it! And I think that is a good. I think that is a good lesson, although I have heard that the amount of loans that Vince Jr. had to take out, his dad was worried about him, and I also, I think it's good that he, on his deathbed, was thinking of his son. I think that's good, but I think that's also, like, his form of Irish parenting, this is the worst thing, his form of Irish parenting created a monster, and I think he didn't think he was doing a bad job, I think he was like, well, I turned out like my dad. Uh, and my dad was distant, and I followed in his footsteps. So this, my son, is clearly following in my footsteps. And also, if you name a kid your name, you're weird. I think that we've never touched on that. If you're one, like he's like me, but smaller, so he'll always people will always think he's me. And naming someone your yeah, like I'm on Vince McMahon's side. With the thing where it's like, if you name your kid your name, and everyone has to call your kid fucking Junior, it really robs them of having an identity for their yeah, entire life. Yeah. I think that is fucked up. He's the bitch version of me. Yeah, because it doesn't matter. Like, you'll see all these basketball players, and they're actually Junior, but, like, their dad is shit. <laughs> Not shit, but, like, just a normal dude. So it doesn't matter where it's like, oh, how am I going to live up to working at a rental car agency do you know what i mean like that doesn't fucking matter you're just like oh you're fucking what's his name's kid cool like but when you're an achiever obviously your people are going to measure your kid up against you anyway john what's your favorite and worst thing favorite thing about vince mcmahon uh senior is that um when he sold his company uh to his son that he mentally abused he surrounded him with good people that would help guide him through what would be a rough transition and a hard period yolo uh and that's the best thing and worst thing about him was that uh, much like dylan he essentially set his son up to be a monster and that's been confirmed (laughs) yeah he's uh he something happened where he taught his son to in business that it's fine to stab if the person you're stabbing is someone you don't like they don't even have to have done anything wrong if you think they're bad they're bad you're god live as god yeah you were you were god your mother never was fucked by me you were impregnated by something divine which was me (laughs) your god was fucked by me i am now god because i fucked someone i fucked your mom before god and therefore i am better than god is is what he legitimately Thank you very much for listening, guys. It really got good at the end there, didn't it? John, promote your shit, you fucking loser. Come see me at Soho next week. Go. Fuck me. I'm God. Ooh, suck on God's big dick. My name's Dylan Gott, and I will be uh, have two shows. Uh, Valentine's Day, Belleville at Capers and uh herder winery that's in saint Catharines. please buy tickets to those shows they're all on my website and then the following week i'll be headlining toronto yuck yucks and recording an album on the friday and the saturday and all the other dates are on my website dylangott.net dylangott.net backslash shows for all information on that of course i'm on twitter at dylangott d-y-l-a-n-g-o double up that t that the john hastings is john's twitter you can join us on twitter at wrestler review on twitter and instagram then we got patreon.com backslash wrestler review we got the great power udi episode 
up on there right now for just five bucks. You gain access to that. YOLO, YOLO, YOLO. And you can pick a wrestler for 20 bucks. And you can also uh, pick a liner note to open the show, which we have a bunch of people who are at the $10 level. But just don't uh, message us what they want us to say at the beginning. So that's fun. You can also just give us the money and expect nothing in return. That's actually way better. We don't want to do anything in return. And we're on Facebook, The Wrestler Review Podcast. That's all the bullshit. We got a goddamn plug. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you again next week. One last thing. If you guys donate uh, $1,000 to the Patreon, you get to name Dylan's new album. Yeah, $1,000. For a year. <laughs> yeah. No, no. One month. One donation. One person. No, you don't make the rules. All right, fine. You get to name John's next show if you donate $1 a month. No, Patreon. no, no. And you don't need to pay it fully. You just can just say you did it and then just don't do it. And I'll be like, John, some guy donated a dollar. Yeah, he'd probably be like, oh, John's cool. I'm going to name something sick like John's sick. Uh, but if they're like naming your own, they'll be like, come jizz, Dylan, which is probably what you're going to name it anyway. Ass disease. <laughs> That's what your new show is going to be called, and you have to talk about how you fucking have cancer, but you call it ass disease because you can't read. I mean, me not being able to read. Yeah, whatever. Shut up. Okay, bye. Bye-bye, everyone. I love you.